Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is a Tuesday, Mac and Mac, Birds 365 get-together. Kind of an in-between Tuesday because of the weird week with the Eagles having played and lost last Thursday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A lot has happened since, including one player going out of town, one player returning to town. We'll talk about it all with you here on Birds 365. I'm Jerry McDonald. My partner is John McMullen, who looks like he's got a... uh, a long sleeve shirt on. Would that be correct today, Mr. McMullen? No, short sleeve. Oh, you got I'm short sleeve? Sticking it out, yeah. It's I, cold I, though. It's chilly I, though. I did go long sleeve this morning. Did you? When I got up, it was a little chilly. I said, you know what? I gotta get out this early before the sun comes up. And oh, by the way, that'll change in a couple of weeks because we're gonna jump ahead with the clock and it'll get darker earlier, but it'll also stay uh turn lighter earlier in the day. Yeah, I'm not um, sure what I want because I hate getting up when it's dark. But then again, I hate when it gets dark early. That's a that's a it's a conundrum for me. Yeah, you can't you can't win. You just got to pick your poisons, one of the two. And yes, I got to let the dog out while it's still dark out, which is weird. I got to turn the light on in the backyard in the morning. What is that all about? Uh, we'll work our way through it. And fall is actually arriving because it's pretty damn chilly this morning. So I went with the long sleeve shirt. Um, however, we are clad. We still have the same issues to deal with with the Philadelphia Eagles as we sit here at two and four and not yet back to practice. Um, You would think that when you get that Thursday night game, it's a pain in the rear end because you got the quick turnaround. You got to prep. You can't practice because they don't want to get anybody hurt uh, right before the game. All right. Well, you make it up on the back end. No, you don't. It's downtime for the players. They get a mini five. Can't Can't do it anymore. Can't do it. Now, they are back in the building. They were back for meetings yesterday, so they're doing stuff. But as far as on-field actual practices, it's like a normal week. You get back on Wednesday for the big practice, and then Thursday and Friday, uh, Friday more of a, uh, a walkthrough. And, you know, that's the modern NFL. And you, you brought it up, Jody, and it's true. Every time they want to negotiate something in the CBA, that's all they do. All right, less practice, we'll do that. 
Can we have an extra game? Can we have an extra playoff game? Can we expand to Monday? You know, whatever. Less practice, less, less practice. practice, less practice. That's it's what they so, give up. So basically, in a um, um, regular midseason week in the NFL, Sunday game, Sunday game, they basically have two practices, Wednesday and Thursday, because Friday's a walkthrough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, how do you get better when you are a team like the Philadelphia Eagles? When you're two and four, you have issues, you have questions, and we'll get more to you today over the next two hours. Uh, meetings are nice. Tape review is nice. Teaching supposedly is nice. I don't know. And Johnny Mac, it's a long time since I played, and I never played football. Not uh, organized in any way, shape, or form. I played uh, tackle in the park. And I had a pretty good arm. I always played quarterback. Um, but I never played organized football. But I played organized baseball and organized basketball. Basketball all the way into college. I, 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 you can put a lot of time and effort in on your own. But if you want to improve as a team, there's one way to improve as a team. And that's practicing with your teammates. And the NFL has so little of it. I guess... I guess I can't complain from an Eagles standpoint because it's the same for everybody else. Yeah, exactly. And you got to take advantage of your time. And that's where you have the advantages with the coaching staff who takes best, uh, who, who takes best advantage of the time they do have. So as long as the scale is even, you always have that at least a little bit of an even playing field. We all know teams have gotten fined over the years for off-season work. Uh, you know, John Harbaugh is kind of famous for it, uh, getting fined in the off-season. Um, so there do, are guys. Do we do kind of, a little of that? The Ravens are looking pretty good. I think uh, the Eagles should be one. I don't to think he got fined this year, though. But uh, he's been fined a couple times in the past. Uh, there's guys who push the envelope. and you know, But they have cameras all over these facilities, Jody. So, you know. One player gets PO'd about something. He sends the tape to the NFL PA. Then it goes to the NFL. Then you're fine. You know, it's hard to do. Uh, so you gotta you got to abide by the rules. Uh, and, and you're right. I talk about it all the time. I mean, this product stinks. I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think a new generation doesn't realize because they're used to it. That's all they've seen. Now, when I say stinks, the athletes are better than they've ever been in the past. It's not about that. It's about the actual technique and the actual fundamentals and the actual, and, and the reason why is because you don't practice and you don't practice like you used to. Now there's the safety issue as well. That kind of dogma that overrides it. You're trying to protect the players at all costs. But I mean, it, there's no, there's no way to overcome the lack of repetition. Every coach in the history of mankind talks about repetition, repetition, repetition. Right. It's common sense. The more you think about your own life, the more you do something, the better you become at it. It, should, it, it is literally the foundation, the foundation of common sense, and they don't do it enough. And yes, I'm sorry. Yes, the, the modern profession, and, and Everyone's going to say, old guy screaming at the cloud. I don't care. They practice more. Are the athletes better? Yeah. Look at Derrick Henry last night. You know, you shouldn't be able to be 250 pounds and be the fastest guy in the NFL to this point of the season. That guy works like unbelievable. And that's another thing with the draft nicks and all that. It doesn't stop when you get drafted. You got to keep working at it. You got to have that. 
if you want to be great, like Derrick Henry's great on, on his way to being, you know, a 2,200 yard rusher in an era where nobody runs the football, but he's so good. They have to run it in, in Tennessee. If you want to be that guy, you have to take it on your own shoulders to become that guy and work harder than everybody else and do all the stuff off the field. And guess what? You can't do it at the facility. So you see this cottage industry that has popped up around the NFL. You saw it with Jalen Hurts, always working in the offseason, always working out on his own, always working with a quarterback tutor. In the old days, you didn't have to do that because you'd go to your facility. I talked about this with John Filippo. You go to your facility after the season's over, you work with your quarterback's coach or your offensive coordinator. You can't do that anymore. Can't do it. So let me uh, follow up about Jalen Hurts. You just mentioned on how a guy like Derrick Henry, who was a second-round pick in the NFL draft and now is the unquestioned best running back in the league, you attribute that to the fact that the guy has worked like a demon after he got out of college. He was great when he was at Alabama. He's greater now because he has driven himself to be that kind of a player. That's why when you have drafts, there is so much work done on players character how many times have we heard it you have you ever covered the combine you got out to indianapolis yes uh, right. not for uh, uh probably about seven eight years but yeah i've been out to quite a few so you know how much emphasis is put on the time the teams get to spend with the individual that is also very tightly monitored you can't spend two extra minutes talking to a guy you're on a clock while you're in that room with that guy interviewing him and teams want to get to know him, and that's the first foray. And then leading up to the draft, you can have some – you can have a guy in for a visit and work him out, and then you can certainly work him over to try and get to the uh, the heart of his character. That's why it's that important. A guy like Derrick Henry probably showed the Baltimore Ravens uh, – the Tennessee Titans, oh, I'm going to get better. I'm good now. I'm going to get better. And they were probably able to suffice that themselves and were happy with the pick when they made it. Everyone praises the character of Jalen Hurts. Everyone praises the leadership of Jalen Hurts. Everyone praises the work ethic of Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts isn't quite getting it done on the field. That is a very difficult balance to strike, John. You want a guy with the superior attitude and work ethic, but you also got to have the talents and the skills. Uh, are the Eagles starting to tip one way or the other on Jalen Hurts right now, do you think? Yeah, I, I say that this is how I describe this, and I got this on Twitter. So, you know, I did my my time on Twitter, so everybody can forget about me for about eight weeks. But because uh, um, I had to do some things yesterday, I was bored. Here's how I describe what's going on with the Eagles. And I hope this is the case, because if it isn't the case, it's it's worse for the franchise. I believe Nick Sirianni has cobbled together an offense to, to mask uh, what Jalen Hurts can't do. I think the best exemplification of that is they never throw the football over the middle of the field, despite having Dallas Goddard, obviously was on the COVID list, but for the first five games, despite having Zach Ertz for the first six games, now gone, obviously, despite having Kenny Gainwell, who's a rookie, but you can tell he is a really good pass cat, natural pass catcher out of the backfield. So you could run him on angle routes. You see it all over the NFL. The Patriots probably the most famous for it in the Tom Brady era. 
Um, those angle routes, right up, just impossible to stop at times. Eagles never throw them, never throw them. So there's two, there's basically the fork in the road goes, you know, you can only go two ways, Jody. Either he's protecting the quarterback, and I'm talking about Nick Sirianni, or he literally is one of the worst play callers, game planners I've ever seen in my life. And I hope, I think I'm right, and I think he's protecting the quarterback. You should hope I'm right as well if you're an Eagles fan. I'm talking not to you, Jody, everybody listening, everybody out there. You should hope I'm right because if it's the other and he's really this bad and really this obtuse and really this incapable, then you got you got a one-and-done type coach or you should have a one-and-done type coach. I, 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 I want to emphasize again, I think he's protecting the quarterback. And it's uh, there are several reasons why it's unfortunate that Zach Ertz is no longer here, uh, one of which was he'd probably be a pretty good guy to ask. Now, there's a couple of guys on the offensive line you could ask too, certainly the center. Maybe you'd wait a week on the right tackle since he's just coming back. Uh, guys who have been here for a while – been in the league for a while, been under a couple different coaches and can compare one coach, one play scheme, one entire package of all your plays to another. I'd love to get one of those guys off the record to speculate on that because you and I can sit here and speculate. I think John McMullen's pretty damn smart when it comes to football and you understand the way offenses work and the way you put in an entire offense and the like and if this is the way you feel, I, I probably would have to sign along with you because I know you know what you're talking about. But I'd rather sign along with uh, Mr. Kelsey if he says, yeah, I don't know about this offense we're running. Yeah, we specifically do avoid the middle of the field. It does seem like they're running scared to call some play, put some plays in, have options to do things that Jalen isn't strong at. If they are running scared and using a certain offense to protect the weaknesses of the quarterback, a guy like Jason Kelsey would certainly know about it. Yeah, he certainly would. And, you know, but the problem with guys like Jason Kelsey, and and I would throw Lane in that category as well, even coming off, and I hear what you're saying about he's got other issues to deal with than the Eagles offense. But uh, those guys are also been around for a long time. They're also very savvy. And they're not going to say, oh, yeah, we're there. But they know what's going on. Um, and, you know, more than and that's why you look for, OK, why do I believe this? And I think Jalen Hurts is at uh, two, just over 200 passes. I'd have to look exactly. And I know the number is three percent of, of, of throws between the hash marks. So smack dab in the middle of the field. 3% of over 200. That's a pretty big sample size. 208 is the actual number. 3%, six throws, Jody. Six throws in six games between the hash marks. One a game. One a game. Tom Brady might throw 20. <laughs> 20 in a game where they're cooking and, and they were back in New England. Now he's got the receivers. He didn't have the receivers in New England, but when he had the tight ends and the backs, 20 might be a low number on a, on a, on a good day. Um, six. So e either, and I'm trying to give Nick Sirianni the benefit of the doubt here. 
either you're trying to protect a young quarterback who doesn't have a ton of experience. You're not competent. Obviously, accuracy is not his, his, the, the what you would check off first as far as his traits. Either you're trying to protect him or you are completely, completely overmatched as an NFL play call. Uh, I'll nitpick a little here because, um, yeah, like you, I've watched every single play of all uh, six Eagle games this year, and I have them on tape till I watch them a second time, then yeah, I, I erase them. I, I don't have a save for posterity Eagle uh, game uh, area on my DVR where I save all the games, but just remembering off the top of my head, if you're talking about between head, you're talking hard line between the hashes, because there are passes that are if they're a foot and a half to the right, they're outside the hash. But I would still yeah, I mean it's that hard. I mean the middle of the field. That, that those numbers are from ESPN, so they they do their stats and info things. So I mean, yeah, I'm I'm not doing it myself. I'm relying on on their numbers, and that's their numbers. And I imagine uh, I I would have to. Uh, contact them and get their definition. I would imagine it's hard and fast in between the hashes, but um, you know, either way, if you're using the outlier you want to use and the number upticks a little bit, it's still not a big number. Right. Uh, ba- basically, they don't throw the ball in the middle of the field much at all. I, those numbers are so stark that you're pointing out that I have trouble believing them, so I'd have to know exactly what they use uh, to define uh, in the middle of the field and the hashes. How far apart are the hashes? They're exactly the same as the goalposts, aren't they? In the NFL, yeah. the width yeah. of the goalposts is the yeah. width. And uh, so got... it's not. I mean, it's not a big part of the field. But when you have, when you have two of the better tight ends in in football, in theory, you're going to use the middle of the field a little bit more. And I know, you know, Kenny Gainwell, and I'm probably skipping steps with Kenny Gainwell because he is a rookie, but I, I, I do think he shows that natural. He's not uh, one of the great pass catching backs of all time, but he, he does have that natural ability. You would think you would want to use that uh, at times, especially um, how much the Eagles have been playing from behind and how much he's been playing in those types of situations um, to not use a running back. And it could be Miles Sanders as well. To not use a running back on an angle route, you know, which is that simple, you know, come out of the backfield and 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 cut right over the middle of the field. It's one of the easiest uh, uh, plays in football for the quarterback. Again, if you want to blame it on the coach, I'll listen to you, and maybe it is the coach. Uh, I I think you're 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 in deeper water if it is the coach. I will say that. And, oh, by the way, the Eagles run so much out of the shotgun, it's not hard to get a running back split out to the point where he can get that quick slant into the middle and may be able to get a catch. Uh, It is not part of the Eagle offense right now. That's very fair to say. All right, John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We've got two good guests coming your way. In a mere matter of moments, we will be joined by Jimmy Kensky, Philly's beat writer from uh, Philly Voice. And yes, I will ask Jimmy about compensatory draft picks uh, <laughs> as free agents because Zach Ertz does fall into that category. Uh, how much, how big a contract do you think he's going to get? That would help to determine it. Jimmy understands it and has attempted to explain it in Philly voice umpteen times. 
and I still don't get it. So I'm going to need a leg up and helping hand from Jimmy Kemsky. He's going to join us this hour. Rob Motti, our buddy from the Associated Press, will hop on uh, week two. He came up from Florida last week to cover the Bucks and the Eagles, and he stuck around for the Zach Ertz trade. He was in on the media uh, mashup with Johnny Mack the other day. So we'll get uh, Rob Motti up. Talk mostly Eagles. We might jump around, do a couple around the league things with Mr. Motti. But up next, hoping to hear from Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice here on Birds 365. <laughs> comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Mac and Mac here with you on Birds 365. As you can tell by your screen, we have not been joined by our first guest yet. Uh, we're waiting on Jimmy Kemsky to hop the board, and we hope he does so uh, rather quickly or soon. Um, J-Mac, before Jimmy joins us, let me ask you a question about the Eagles as sellers. I told you yesterday I was a little perturbed by Howie Roseman and the fact that he so easily looks into the camera and flat-out hmm. lies that no, no, we're not sellers. We're, we're we think we've got strength at this position. Tyree Jackson, we're opening up opportunities for other guys on our roster. No, you're not. You're a seller. 
you, you sold off Zach Ertz for a cornerback uh, who can't get on the field for the Arizona Cardinals in a fifth-round draft pick. <clears throat> uh, now, it may turn out to be a smart trade. Uh, maybe the corner that they picked up turns into a player. Uh, the fifth-round draft pick turns into a player down the road. Seven years from now, we may be going, damn, do you remember when Howie traded Zach Ertz, who was out the door for Tay and a fifth rounder who turned into player X? Yeah, that could happen, but right now it hasn't. And it does nothing. Well, it does something, actually. It makes the Philadelphia Eagles a worse team here in 2021. Um, and he suggested that, that, that that's it. We're, we're not, we didn't sell and we're not going to sell. Uh, I'll throw the BS flag and tell you I think the Eagles will attempt to make more deals between now and the trade deadline. I mentioned Avante Maddox yesterday as a potential player that I think the Eagles could sell. I think there is a, a need around the National Football League for good slot corners. It is an actually an actual now position. It used to be the nickel. You just brought a third corner onto the, the field. Now you expect guys who cover inside, not outside wide receivers, to have a specific skill set to be able to do things differently. And I think Avante Maddox is a damn good slot corner. I guarantee you there's going to be a need pop up for a team over the next couple of weeks before the trade deadline that is more of a legitimate contender than the Eagles for a slot corner. Do you think the Eagles would trade Devontae Maddox uh, if the right deal was out there for him? I do not. I think that's exactly the type of player they want to keep. A uh, very young player coming off his rookie deal has uh, finally developed, finally settled down. I think he has played well in that nickel position. That's exactly the kind of just like Jordan Mailata, just like Josh Sweat, it's exactly the type of player they want to extend and, and they want to reward, they want to keep in the system. Um, and I think ultimately they will be because slot corner doesn't get paid like outside corner. Probably not fair. I talked about a little bit yesterday on the show. So it won't be out of you know craziness like an outside corner might get paid. Um, so they'll be able to get uh, – a, a cost-effective uh, deal done with Avante Maddox and have him uh, as the nickel corner, the slot corner, which is his natural position, which is where they drafted him to be. Even though he played outside at Pitt, they projected him inside to play slot corner. But, you know, as a rookie, they had to play him in safety. Then they had to play him in outside corner. He's never had a chance to settle down. He's finally getting a chance to settle down in the slot. He's playing pretty well. I, I think he's one of the last people they would trade. I think when you talk about trades, you look at expensive guys um, who are veterans uh, on the back end of their career. Maybe you have a younger player, Zach Ertz being the perfect example of this. You have a younger player you want to keep, you know, you have to pay. And Dallas Goddard, uh, that's why players like that get put on the trade market. And then you hope a contender comes in and says, all right, we're – we're a, 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 a tight end away from contending. We're a defensive tackle away from contending. Maybe we'll give you something uh, for a high-priced player. Um, but, you know, and I think I said yesterday, I, I, know, I don't kill Howie Roseman. What's he going to do? Go up there. Oh, we're selling. Fire sale. Open up. Put the, put the, put the sign out. You can't do that. And, and not to mention the fact the NFL – you know, it's still so early. So, you know, 
right now the the final wild card team is three and three, and and you're two and four, and you have the easiest schedule in the NFL moving forward. If you believe all the football power indexes and all that kind of nonsense, um, you can't just pull the plug. Plus, I I don't believe there is rebuilding in the NFL. If you get a good deal, if you get a, a, the ability to trade, now here's the part where I kind of lean towards you, Jody. You you can't be fooled by the fool's gold either. Shouldn't use fool twice, but you if you do make the playoffs at eight and nine or something of that nature, that doesn't mean you're a great team. That doesn't mean you got to build on what you have just completely. There, there are players you can move. Derek Bardet, is he going to be back? I don't think so. So if you can get somebody to bite on Derek Bardet, you do it. Um, something of that nature that makes sense long term. Uh, you still have to be disciplined and make those kinds of moves. You can't be fighting by hook or by crook to get that eighth win to be the the worst team in the playoffs, so you can get routed. Um, by Tampa Bay in the first round. I mean, it, it's it's so it's a it, it's a balancing act. But my my key word here would be discipline. You have to be disciplined. You are where you are. You have an easy schedule. Maybe things start turning in your direction. That doesn't mean you're a good football team. Yeah, you and I are going to disagree on this, but I'm glad to see that you said uh, Derek Barnett should be in the mix because you know I am out. Well, he's not going to be here. So, I mean, same as Zach Ertz, he's not going to be here. Well, he's got one year to run on the contract. See, he's in the same exact contractual uh, spot that Devontae Maddox is, right? Yeah, but they, they, uh, one, he's more expensive. Two, they've already made a decision very similar to Jordan Mailata versus Andre Dillard at left tackle. They made their decision. They signed Josh Sweat. They made their decision. Um, they decided between Josh uh, Sweat and Derek Barnett. Now, you could argue if you want to go deep and say, so, well, Brandon so then you Graham. you suggest Andre Dillard is someone who could be traded here over the next couple of days. Well, my – I. Andre Dillard would have been first on the list until all the problems started with Lane Johnson. Now I think you have to consider what the future is beyond, um, you know, if if you have Jordan Mailata and Lane Johnson at full bore, yeah, you trade Andre Dillard and you probably have more. He's probably has more value now than he did before he got on the field. So he would have been first on the list. Uh, there's a little bit of, of a kink thrown into that now though. Um, Derek Barnett probably would have been second on the list. Um, they didn't decide on a different slot corner. I mean, they decided, you know, they're going to decide that Avante Maddox is their long term starting slot corner. So that's the difference there. True. He doesn't have uh, an, an, a, a, a hand-picked replacement, but the Eagles actually do have more corners on their roster than they do have, say, like defensive ends. I, I don't know what Tyron Jackson is going to be, and um, it seems to me that there's almost always an explanation every single week by Sirianni, even though it's probably more of a Jonathan Gannon question, and I know you get to talk to Gannon today um, as to how many plays he's going to play. I hope we see him for more starting this week uh, because uh, I do believe that Barnett is out of here either in the next two weeks 
or at the end of this season, I don't think the Eagles are retaining him. So give a uh, young guy a shot if you have the chance at defensive end. Uh, one thing you did say that I will disagree, you said still early here. No, we're under the two-week mark to the NFL trade deadline. And to the NFL's credit, no, they I mean, have early in the season. Yeah, the NFL trade line deadline is too early because uh, you have to make these decisions and nobody's out of it because the last wild card team is three and three. So nobody's out of it. I mean, in theory, if you have one win, you're not out of it. So the problem is the trade deadline is too early. That's that's what I was trying to say there. Right. Not it, everybody's in it. So in, in baseball, you have that clear kind of, all right, we stink. What are we going to do? Uh, in, in the NFL, not only do you have the, the emotion of only playing one game a week with the fan base and everything's live and die. One week you're going to the Super Bowl. One week Jalen Hurts is the greatest thing ever. He's going to be here for 10 years. The next week he's so bad you can't move forward with I mean, the wild, uh, crazy EKG, it, it's like a heart attack each season. And, you know, you're sitting there, and that's what the Eagles are doing. They have a mini buy, right? And I shouldn't say Eagles, Eagles fans. Eagles have to be disciplined. I hope they're not doing this. But Eagles fans are sitting there going, um, the loss is behind him now. You start, you know how the NFL cycle goes. It's like, what is the five stages of grief? Uh, that's that's how it is in one week and then you move on and you go to the next game and you get all hyped up for it now the Eagles got to be more disciplined than that and and they have to understand okay we do have an easy road of it and if we turn things around we can probably be in the conversation deep in the season to be that last wild card team now, understood but I don't, I don't think that's great, Jody. But real quick before you jump in, I don't think that's great. And that's where I think you have to have discipline. But unfortunately, that's what the NFL is. So it's tough to just say, oh, we're we're getting everybody out of here. The NFL is what it is, and the trade deadline is when it is. And oh, by the way, I know you've been around long enough. I've certainly been around long enough. The trade deadline used to be week four. They have successfully pushed it back over the years because they see the added significance in major league baseball in the nba is slightly lesser extent but close to the nhl the trade deadline in the nfl used to be a complete non-occurrence that there was no way anybody would make a trade because you were four weeks into a season you weren't even a third of the way through the season now at least you're sneaking up on the halfway point so they have pushed it back like more than a month over the last 10, 15 years, whatever, however long it's been. Now, yeah, you're right, Jody. And that's why, and I think there's two reasons why. And I think younger GMs are, are also more willing to pull the trigger uh, and be more aggressive. So you see a few more trades. It's still not like baseball or basketball, but, um, or hockey is crazy. Um, but, uh, you're right to have pushed it back. And it is, you know, if the Eagles lose um, in Las Vegas and Detroit, well, then you're having a dip different conversation. Um, so there is still a little bit of a time before you say that. But then the back end of this, which I think too often people ignore. All right. 
there aren't there still aren't a lot of trades as a whole in the NFL more than there used to be. You also have to get people interested. And I don't know, I can't remember and maybe I get too hyper focused on the Eagles these days, but I don't remember any team in the NFL trading four or five players at the deadline. It just doesn't work like that in this league. It doesn't, but it doesn't mean you can't be a trendsetter. If you are an aggressive general manager, like you said, some of them are a little bit younger these days than they have been before, just because it's never been done before doesn't mean it can't be done now. Uh, that maybe no, but you need somebody to want the players, is what I'm saying. That's the bad. Yeah, it always so, takes two to tango. Yeah, That's a so, given. So you can say, I'm going to be a trend center, I want to move five, six guys. And I I get what you're saying, but you got to be able to move those five or six guys. You got to have dancing partners. And I don't think you're going to find five or six dancing partners at this stage of the game in the NFL. All right. So if John McMullen is right and the Eagles either won't or can't do anything, why the hell did they trade Zach Ertz? Um, I think it has more to do with Dallas Goddard than anything else. They want to make Dallas Goddard happy. Um, I don't think he was happy. Uh, he was promised in the off season. He was going to be the, the tight end one, so to speak. And he was for the first five games, but it was a very mismatched tight end one. Zach was still playing a lot early. Nick played some 12 personnel more than we expected, but then by week three, it was all 11. So by week three, it was, you know, if, if Dallas was on the field, Zach probably wasn't. If Zach was on the field, Dallas probably wasn't. So they they still had this convoluted kind of uh, shuffling system. I don't think he was happy about it. I don't think his agents are happy about it. I think the most important uh, quote that Howie Roseman said in that press conference is, um, and I'm paraphrasing, um, uh, there will be no discount for Dallas Goddard. Uh, because the Eagles know what they have in Dallas Goddard, but the more important part of, of Dallas Goddard is the rest of the league knows what the Eagles have in Dallas Goddard. In other words, if he hits the open market, he's getting paid. The Eagles know it. The league knows it. Goddard's agents know it. No hometown discount. No Jordan Mylotta deal. No Josh Sweat deal. Nothing like that. They got to make him happy. They got to pay him. And that's what this trade had more to do. Had had there was more about that than anything else with this trade. Then let me question that philosophy. If Dallas Garter is the lone tight end, pass catching tight end for the Eagles the rest of the season, assuming health, and we expect them back from COVID this week, uh, and he missed just the one week because of it. Uh, no more Zach Ertz to be here to cut into his either snaps and or targets and or catches. If that's the case, how much more are the Eagles going to have to pay? If he's going to catch the ball, because I still believe that Dallas Goddard has to prove that he's a top two or three tight end in football. I really don't believe he is. I think he's more outside the top five than inside the top five. And I don't believe he's anywhere near the top three. Um, the only way he gets to that position, top three tight end, and you made this point yesterday, I've made it many times myself, 
it's not exactly where you are, but when you are stepping mm. to the plate that you exactly. get paid, it's uh, it's whose turn is it to get paid? There is no way in, in if I'm the general manager of a team, I'm making Dallas Goddard the highest paid tight end in football. I'm just not doing it. I I, I it's gonna look like a bad deal one year in. You're gonna look at it and you're gonna compare him to the other tight ends in the league. Well, wait a minute, we're paying him that much more than this guy, that guy, the other guy, Kelsey and and Kittle and all these guys. I'm not going there if I'm the Eagles and you're kind of intimating that they're going to have to go there if they want to get him signed. I think this is a major problem going forward, John. Um, you you can argue that, um, well, first of all, he's not the best tight end in football. He's not in the top three, you know, I would say right now um, you'd have to throw Mark Andrews in with the typical Travis Kelsey's and George Kittles. Um, to me, those are the best tight ends in football. Um, he's not those guys. I do think he's very good, but I say it all the time. Contracts aren't about the best player. They're about timing and circumstance. Now, you know, because everybody pays attention to the quarterbacks. Now, everybody forgets because it, it moves so quickly. At one time, Derek Carr was the highest paid player in the history of professional football. Why? Because he was next up at the quarterback position. Nobody was saying he was better than Aaron Rodgers at the time. That's just how this league works. Now, you might be able to say, guess what, Dallas? You might be able to talk them into, I think Kittle has the best he he's the standard. Um, he's the highest paid tight end. You could probably say, all right, we'll put you in right at, he makes 15. We'll put you in right at 14.5. You might be able to get that done. You might be able to, to get something like that done, but he's going to be at the top of the list, whether it's one, two, three, he's going to be somewhere up there. And I think the floor and everybody said the floor before this even started was uh, what New England did w- over the offseason when they signed uh, the two tight ends, um, that was going to be the floor. And look, the Eagles were trying to get him. The Eagles have been trying to extend him before anybody else. That's that's the guy they wanted to extend before Mylotta, before Sweat. And that's why Howie said, <laughs> admitted, there aren't going to be no discounts. He said that because... He knows. He tried to get the discount. He wasn't able to get it. Dallas Goddard smartly bet on himself. Um, and ultimately, I, I don't think it's going to be a concern because even if the Eagles um, don't work out a deal, they will put the franchise tag on them. They don't like to do that. They never do it. You could bring it up, but tight end's not a position that is going to blow away your salary cap. Right. So worst comes to worst, they'll just put the franchise tag and hopefully work something out um, at some point. But they're going to get it done. But how we made that very clear, there's there's not going to be a discount to getting it done. I'll give you a couple of guys that I would rate over Dallas Carter to tight end, and I'm not even including the pitch kid from Atlanta who's going to go by Dallas Goddard standing still. Uh, like he's standing still, but he's he's not there yet. But over the life of Goddard's contract, whatever he's going to sign for five years uh, that can be wiped away in the last year, the fourth year, somewhere there about, uh, Pitch is going to be a, a much superior player to him. Um, 
you're going to see one this week. I guarantee you Darren Waller outstats uh, Dallas Goddard. Well, I mean, you're talking about I, – I, I mean, it, look, if you're talking about just receiving, yeah, Darren Waller is, is a great receiving tight end. Look, he, he also used to be a wide receiver at Georgia Tech. I remember him here as a rookie uh, with Baltimore. I, it was one of the uh, – I wrote about it. I, I always like to put it up. He was so dominant, six foot six, 230-pound wide receiver going up over all the Eagles' corners, catching 50-50 balls, going nuts. I mean, Dallas Goddard's a different type of tight end. Dar- Dallas Goddard's one of the few – sort of old-school tight ends. You can play him in line. And, oh, by the way, if you've noticed, when the Eagles do throw the football, he's done some pretty impressive things as a receiver. Now, they haven't thrown the football a lot to their tight ends. Um, he He's really athletic, and it, it's a different type of player. Uh, but, yeah, if you're just going to rely on the flex tight end, which I get it, the new age in the NFL is, Oh, they're glorified receivers. They're just just king size slot receivers. It's almost a different position, and that's why people were talking about Kyle Pitts. You know what are they going to label him as? Because if they label him as a tight end, he gets paid less. If they label him as a wide receiver, he gets paid more. So this is what agents talk about. You know, is he a slot receiver? Is he is he a flex tight end? You know, teams want to call him a tight end. Agents want to call him a wide receiver because they right. want to get him more money. It's almost a different position. But if you're just talking about receiving, then you want to go out and get a player like like Darren Waller or 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 Kyle Pitts. But they're it's almost apples and oranges. Do you think Dallas Goddard, even as you say, the tight end? Tight ends get paid less than wide receivers, and that's exemplified through the uh, franchise tag. Do you think that Dallas Goddard is, is meritorious of getting a franchise tag? Yeah, I, but, you know, franchise tags to me are about strategy, nothing more. It's not, I mean, if you're, people have franchised kickers in the past, for instance, because they don't get any money. And if you don't want to lose the guy and you can't work anything out, you just franchise him and ultimately you don't have to worry about it. And then you work out a deal and that's that it's to me, it's not about merit. It's about strategy. And if you can't get something done with a player that you want to keep, um, and especially if it's at a position, that's not a high cost. Now quarterback edge rusher corner outside corner, that's different. You got to, if you're going to allocate that kind of money to that type of position, they got to be, they got to be really good. Um, but even quarterbacks, you've seen it. I mean, Kirk Cousins is, a, a, you know, he's made the most money in the history of mankind. He's in Andrew Brandt's uh, business hall of fame because he played that so well and he bet on himself and he's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. That's Dak Prescott did the same thing for a while. Um, that's kind of different tight end. Yeah. He's, I, I don't know if I'd use that word, but for a strategy, if I can't work something out, yeah, I'm just going to put the franchise tag on. And Goddard seems like a pretty good dude. And he's not a guy who's ruffling feathers in the locker room, but 
Um, you've got to admit that 60%, 70% of the players who get franchised, and it's not a big number. There's a handful of them in the NFL every single year. Most of them are unhappy that they want that contract. They want that big guaranteed number of franchise tags. As soon as they slap it on you, you're guaranteed that number for that year. But it's only one year rather than a major signing bonus and guaranteed money over multiple years. Will Dallas Goddard on a franchise tag here in Philadelphia be an issue? No, I don't I don't think it'll be an issue because ultimately if a, if they place it on them, it'll only be as a placeholder as they work out a long-term deal. In other words, I don't expect him to play on the franchise tag next season. Worst case to wor- worst case scenario, you can do that, then you might have some issues. I think as you get towards free agency, you put it on as a placeholder as you continue to negotiate. You work out a deal and everything's fine. That's the most likely scenario. The Eagles' most hopeful scenario was that he would already be extended. Part of the reason he's not extended is because he's not getting the opportunity uh, to show what he thinks he can do as he bet on himself. And that's part of the reason Zach Ertz is out out, out a little bit early. If the Eagles were to make a move and and sell off another piece, um, can Howie Roseman go to the we're not sellers line again? He attempted to sell it this time. You see through it. I see through it. I think most Eagle fans see through it. Can he go there again and, and tell us, no, no, no. We're just opening up opportunities for guys on our bench like Teron Jackson. Really? That's what you're going to try <laughs> and sell? Can Howie do that again? I think it depends on the position. If it is, remember, Brandon Graham is hurt. Um, so if it is Derek Barnett, yeah. I mean, he's going to play defensive end. Um, is it going to be Teron Jackson? Is it going to be Milton Williams? Um, neither has played well. Um, I don't think you can argue that makes your team better, even though I know nobody in Philadelphia likes Derek Barnett. He's a heck of a lot better. Um, he's a heck of a lot better uh, than mm, Teron Jackson, Milton Williams. So uh, that would be a difficult sell to me. I would say that. Um, but you right, know. but <laughs> and I know this is exactly what Eagle fans don't want to hear. Who cares? You're giving up on the season. Is it? Well, you were asking me. Does it really matter if the Eagles are seven and ten, or six and eleven, or five and twelve? Yeah, if you trade off some of these guys and you put some of these not ready for primetime rookies in, yeah, you're gonna lose more games. Well, I was just saying. You were saying, can Howie sell it? I don't think he can sell it at that point because of that reason. Yeah, I don't think it's an issue. I think he. If he can sell uh, Derek Barnett, I think he should because he's not going to be here next year. That to me, it's pretty simple. Um, but if you're talking about selling it as as we're not having a fire sale or we are having a fire sale, which by the way I don't think is ultimately important either. Um, I I I I don't think he could sell it. Howie Roseman I'm talking about if he if he trades somebody like Derek Barnett because you don't have an obvious like you have an obvious answer for Zach Ertz 
you you want more playing time for Dallas Goddard. Nick Sirianni said it. Howie Roseman said it. Um, and then you throw in even at the back end, which I think is a little bit of hyperbole with Tyree Jackson and, you know, how he brought him up. And we also have Tyree Jackson, which I think is far less important. But even so, at defensive end, yeah, I guess you could say because he's the third-round pick, you could say Milton Williams. We, we got to see Milton Williams, but he's been pretty bad. You've seen <laughs> quite a bit of him uh, early in the season. He's been a part of that rotation. Probably one of the more disappointing uh, parts of the rotation, I would say. He has not hit the ground running, but – you know, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't kill them for wanting to play Milton Williams either. Let me ask about Milton Williams because, and again, uh, you can go to Pro Football Focus and check the grade that they give out. You can judge with your own eyes. Uh, you get a different look there being at the stadium than most of us do sitting at home watching on TV. He hasn't played all that well. I, I agree with your assessment, and it actually surprises me, a.k.a. bothers me, because I thought he played real well in preseason with the fact that the uh, guys like Fletcher Cox weren't playing and guys like Jason, uh, Javon, Javon Hargrave weren't playing. He got a chance to play a lot and he made some plays and he opened some eyes. Where is the drop? Why has the drop off come? Well, I'm, I mean, look, I, I think, we talk about I I talk about it a lot when when the draft when it's draft season and everybody's great, Jody. Everybody's great. I mean, this guy's great. This guy's great, and we all know we we know it every year. You get into the regular season, it's really difficult for for rookies in general, um, and it, it takes a while, um, and it it takes a while for even top tier rookies. We saw it. Kyle Pitts week one. Kyle Pitts looked awful week one. I mean, downright stinking awful. I think he's going to be fine, and he has started to be fine. He started to produce. And that's one of the most talented kids you're 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 gonna have. And you're you're ever gonna see. The highest drafted tight end in history. Um, just a tremendous athletic freak type thing. Um, and he struggled. And we've seen Devontae Smith have struggles as well as a really talented. It happens to every young player, every. Then when you start to get in the second round and third round and you hear this kid's great, that kid's great, this kid's great, the reality is they're going to struggle. We all know it. But for some reason, uh, people put these unrealistic expectations on them, and it's a little bit of a disappointment. And I would put – I don't think it's a concern long-term. In fact, you know, Jim Swartz used to coin that term startup cost with young players. Startup, I thought it was a great term. Now, you always laugh because I love Jim Swartz, yes. which I do. But I thought the term was great. I thought I, I do. I think it's a perfect summation. When you start playing a young player, you're going to have some stinking issues. And he calls them startup costs. That's just the way it is. We've got uh, startup course here with us at Birds 365. I see a smiling face. We're going to take a quickie time out, then we're going to punch up Jimmy Kemsky. He's jumping aboard next year on Birds 365. <laughs>
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Guys, here we are on Birds 365. We add third to the mix. One of the best covering the Eagles day in the day out. He does it for Philly Boyd. He's going to do it for us for the next 20 minutes. Jimmy Kemsky, part of the Malton Mafia. McMullen's got his own mafia, but uh, Malton guys got to stick together. Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Boyd jumps aboard. How are you, JK? Good, guys. Sorry about the confusion. How are you? Uh, good, Jimmy. So I, I want to start off about your own self, Scout. What did you do? During the mini buy, where was your self I had my daughter this weekend, so uh, we went bowling on Friday, and uh, we went to my mother's house in Long Beach Island in on Saturday, and on Sunday we laid around and did nothing. She was on her <laughs> iPad all day while I watched the NFL Red Zone for you know a rare chance to do that all day on Sunday. So yeah, it's good weekend. That's Since it. you went to LBI, I have a question for you. Um, You've been covering Eagles for a good couple of years now, but prior to when uh, you hadn't established yourself as a uh, major Eagle beat guy, have you ever watched an Eagles-Giants game on Long Beach Island? Uh, I'm sure I have at some point. I'm curious why you ask. Because I did uh, Memorial Day way back when, when they still played on Labor Day weekend before the NFL pushed it back. I spent a Labor Day weekend because you like to be (laughs) on LBI on Labor Day weekend uh, and in a sports bar. And half of it was diehard Eagle fans (laughs) and half of it was diehard Giant fans. And I mean, I thought there was going to be blood spilled on the floor in that (laughs) place that day. It was great because I was kind of neutral and just sitting back and observing. Uh, it's it's almost the dividing line of yeah. New Jersey 
as to Giant fans and Eagle fans. South of LBI, all Eagles. Yes. North of LBI, all Giants. Uh, I was just wondering if you ever experienced that. Yeah, the LBI. next one up is Seaside, which uh, is definitively New York. And then LBI, I think it's more uh, Philly than it is uh, either of the New York teams, but uh, it's more—it's definitely the one that's like the most uh, even uh, of all the uh, shore towns in terms of New York versus Philly. So yeah, you're right. It's, do you do you remember what uh, what bar you were at? Oh shoot, Jimmy, when they were playing <laughs> so many day, so we, many we, bars. We're, we're, we're talking 25 years <laughs> yeah. ago somewhere okay. there about. So the all answer right. to your question is no, I don't remember. Okay. All right, I guess we got to talk about the Eagles, Jimmy. So I'm <laughs> going to throw my thesis out there too. Okay. You. So uh, this is my own self scout. Well, when it comes to the Eagles, I got a lot, a lot of self scouting to do when it comes to my life. But anyway, to me, when we talk about the Eagles' offense, there's only two answers. So uh, if Nick Sirianni and the offensive coaching staff believe in Jalen Hurts, they have a legit terrible system. Just awful. <laughs> yes. If they don't, it explains a lot. Do you agree with that? And obviously, I think the coach, you know, not protecting the quarterback is actually the worst scenario. So uh, on your first point, I think what you're getting at is they're running an offense that is not accentuating the uh, strengths and trying to limit the weaknesses of Jalen Hurts. I couldn't possibly agree more on that. You know, I think we saw week one, they came out in Atlanta and they had a really good game plan for Jalen Hurts and, and this offense and, and the skills of their players within it. And then we really haven't seen it since, um, you know, I think against the chiefs, you know, they had some good offensive production, but it was of course against, you know, arguably the worst defense in the NFL. So, you know, everyone's had success against that, against that yeah. defense. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily put their success in that game uh, on the game plan itself. I just think they were able to, you know, any team can do whatever they want against that defense. So I've really only seen one good game plan this season out of six. And the idea that like, they like that they don't run the ball at all. Like, you know, we, we saw in this last Buccaneers game that they had, uh, one run with their running backs in the entire first half. They ran it a little bit later and actually had some su success with it as they've had throughout the rest of the season. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's just, um, you know, you look at like Todd Bowles and um, what he wants to accomplish going into every game. And it's sort of similar to what Jim Schwartz, you know, your favorite, uh, wanted <laughs> to accomplish going into every game. He wanted to shut down the run. And yeah. once you shut down the run, you make the other uh, offense, you know, one dimensional and then they become much easier to defend. Now, whether that's the ideal, uh, you know, way to run a defense is to be debated, but that's what they like to do. And when you come out and you're the Eagles and you go, OK, well, they're a good run defense, so we're just not going to run it. Well, guess what? You just achieved their number one priority uh, heading into the game by wanting to stop the run. So, yeah, like. I think what this coaching staff is doing is they're turning like, you know, people that understand that it's a passing league and um, that, you know, you win by, by, by throwing in chunk plays and all that. And they're turning those people into you know, the <laughs> run the ball freaks. So like, uh, you know, I, I mean, I just haven't seen any kind of balance and the way that this 
offense um, is is structured personnel wise with a quarterback who can run the ball with a running back who does have uh, some explosive traits. You got you got young receivers who you know they're they they they're going to get better and you know you got to give them a chance to grow. But the reality is they're still young and they're not going to be like the focus. They they shouldn't be the focus of your offense and an offensive line that's missing multiple starters for the entire season and you just keep chucking it up constantly like play after play i just don't get it and then the second part of your question which was what again john it it, it was there is so it's either one of two it's a fork in the road either the 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 coach doesn't believe in the quarterback okay right and he's trying to mask his deficiencies or it's a legit terrible offense so my theory is it would be better if the coach doesn't believe in the quarterback so do you think this organization, this coaching staff, more importantly, believes in the quarterback? I don't think they do right now. Yeah, I wonder if they have an offense that they want to run and they want to see if Jalen Hurts can run the offense that they want to run as opposed to running an offense that accentuates his strengths. And um, if ultimately you know, they want to run an offense that Jalen Hurts isn't capable of running, then I would say no. They probably don't really believe that, that much in him or they'd go out of their way to you know accommodate what he does well. So I'm kind of with you that, um, that, you know, that, that they probably don't really believe in him as their long-term franchise quarterback. And from my perspective, like even like whether you want to blame the, the uh, play calling or the offensive scheme or the game planning, you know, Jalen Hurts really hasn't played all that well either for, for, you know, what they've, even with what they've asked him to do, he hasn't played that well. I think we've seen his obvious deficiencies. And when I look at like the six games that he's played so far, just like on a stock up or stock down kind of basis, I'd say his stock was up after the uh, Falcons game and after the Chiefs game. His stock was down in all the others, with the exception of the Panthers, which would you know kind of go either way on that. So I'd say you know two stock up games, three stock down games, one neutral. So uh, as far as him making the claim to be the franchise quarterback in 2022 and going forward, uh, I don't think that is looking very likely right now. No, I'll give you the point of the year when the Eagles season, pardon the pun, went to shit. Uh, (laughs) When Jalen Hurts couldn't play exhibition game number two Mm. because he got sick right before the game started. Then they had to rush him to the hospital. They didn't get a chance to put him into that game. So they couldn't decide what kind of offense we're going to have. They were still determining what Jalen Hurts can and can't do. And you can't determine anything while the kid's at the hospital. So that's when the season went to shit. But all right, that's that's, that's besides the point. Uh, Jimmy, one of the reasons I had to have you on this week, we love you have you on every week, but uh, we don't uh, ask anyone to do that. Um, But I said we got to have Kempsey this week because you understand compensatory draft picks for free <laughs> okay. agents better than anyone I know. Yeah. You write about it enough, and I try and follow it every time, and I still get lost. I punched <laughs> it up myself and tried to read the rules and regulations. Yeah. I still don't understand. So I give you a ton of credit for at least having a partial grasp on mm-hmm. it because I have none. What would have been the compensatory compensation for Zach Ertz if he had stayed here, gone free agent, I know you got to speculate a little bit mm-hmm. as to what kind of contract he would get. What do you think the Eagles would have gotten in exchange if at the end of uh, the season they ended up losing more free agents than they gave? I don't think you would have scored a huge contract. So just in terms of like what – so the, the the level of compensatory pick is 
um, dependent on how much money a free agent makes with his new team. Um, he doesn't have uh, 10 years of accrued seasons. He's only on his ninth after the season. The max that you can get for a player that has 10 accrued seasons is a five. So that doesn't apply to him. Uh, but I think that, you know, based on the money that I would project him to get uh, next year in free agency would be somewhere in the ballpark of, I don't know, six, seven million a year, which would put him in the ballpark of like a five or a six, uh, probably closer to a five than a six. But you only get a compensatory pick if you lose more qualifying free agents than you gain. And I think in the Eagles case, they probably are going to gain more free agents than they're going to lose. I mean, they already locked up uh, two of their free, their, two of their you know guys that are scheduled to become free agents in uh, Jordan Mailata and Josh Sweat. Uh, so there really isn't that much that's like great that's left over. Like maybe Derek Barnett leaves as a compensatory uh, you know, uh, uh, player uh, to some other team. And, you know, he might count toward the formula, but ultimately I think the Eagles are going to sign more guys uh, than they gain uh, next off season. So I don't think they were really going to be in line for a compensatory pick for Zach Ertz anyway. And honestly, I think the compensation that they got for him in return, uh, you know, the fifth round pick and this developmental cornerback and Tay Gowan, I think it's fine, but also uh, factor into the equation that they're going to save uh, you know, the uh, roughly around 5.2 million in salary that they would have otherwise paid Zach Ertz. So they can take that money and they can, you know, apply that to, to some other use that's this, this next off season. Yeah. And, and, and that's the first time in a while, Jimmy, that it's projected they're going to sign more guys than they lose. Mm-hmm. Cause as we went through the Super Bowl window and they were trying to push that window yeah. open year after year after year, it was always, they were going to lose more than they gained. So, yeah. Uh, that's the key part of it. I agree with you. That's why the Eagles move Zach Ertz early, but also Dallas Goddard as well. It was mm-hmm. pretty clear to me when Howie Roseman said, there's not going to be a discount for Dallas Goddard. So we know how the Eagles work. Jordan Mailata, team-friendly deal. Josh Sweat, team-friendly deal. Dallas Goddard, his reps seem to be smart enough to know, oh, right. go get to the open market. We're going to get paid. So how much did it have to do with just clearing space for Dallas Goddard to be the true tight end one in this offense? Yeah, it's a good question. And well, first of all, in the field, it clears him to get, you know, Zach Ertz played like, I think like 88% of the snaps against Tampa. So uh, those snaps will now fully go to uh, with Dallas Goddard being out, of course, with COVID uh, he'll get, you know, right around 80, 90 snaps per game or 80, 80, 90% of the snaps per game going forward. Uh, so I think that's good for, for him uh, being able to produce like a number one tight end. He hasn't had the opportunity to do that over the course of his career, but in terms of the money aspect, um, the one thing that the Eagles kind of have in their back pocket is that the franchise tag for tight ends isn't really that is like, it's not that costly. Uh, it's going to be just under the, uh, it's projected anyway to be just under 11 million. So if they can't get a long-term deal done, then they can always tag them and have them for at least one more year. But you look at the contracts that tight ends got in free agency last off season, and I don't have them off the top of my head or, or on or in front of me in my screen or whatever, but you got look like Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry and, you know, the guys that got, you know, more money than anticipated from, from teams like the Patriots and so on. And, you know, I, I would project him to, to be in the ballpark of, like right now, I would project him to be in the ballpark of asking for somewhere around like 13, 14, 15 million a year, which might sound crazy, but the cap is going up. And uh, like you said, I think his representation is smart enough to know uh, what his value is and what he could you know, get on the open market if it came to it.
And it's going to be costly, but uh, you got to with a position that you plan on using. And if they're just going to go to one tight end and make them the tight end one, yeah, he kind of justifies the, that kind of layout for the Eagles to do. All right, uh, for uh, both of you guys, since you're both Eagle Beat reporters and you have to ask the questions, um, Lane Johnson is going to be made available to the media sometime here uh, relatively soon. Uh, dealing with some very difficult issues and some personal issues. He put out a statement on social media yesterday. How do you handle that when you get Lane Johnson up on a Zoom call or you guys don't have the ability to go to his locker like you used to, which is unfortunate if you had a good relationship with the guy? Uh, there are some things that Eagle fans want to know, but you want to be a, uh, a human being and you don't want to put a guy on a spot or anything like that. How do you handle something like that with Lane Johnson? John, you want that? Well, I want, no, you, Jim, I want Jimmy, you both to answer, by the Jimmy, way. Jimmy's more of a human being than me. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to ask the question. Now, I, I mean, I would just ask Lane if he wants to talk about it. And if he does, mm -hmm. he'll talk about it. If, if he doesn't, you, you, you go in another direction. That's how I would handle it. Yeah, Brandon Brooks, um, when he missed games in, what was it, 2016? Um you know, thereafter, he, you know, spoke for like 20, 30 minutes uh, at his locker about his anxiety issues. And uh, his main message was, you know, that, you know, for people that do suffer from anxiety, you're not alone. So um, if you have these issues, go get help. Because um, I think a lot, what a lot of these people do that have anxiety is they bottle it up and they keep it from their friends and family, as Lane Johnson mentioned in his statement that he made uh, public on, on Twitter or whatever. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, Lane talks at length about, you know, the anxiety issues that he suffers from. And I'm sure that'll be his message, you know, if and when he does speak. But as John said, you know, if he doesn't want to get into the details of of what he's suffering from, then I don't think, you know, us as reporters will push him all that hard on on, you know, getting some kind of answer on it then there's a good possibility that uh, Ben Simmons today says he's suffering from anxiety <laughs> when he meets the media. And, uh, okay, they, they shut that bad boy down real quick. Well, he might be suffering from anxiety, but there is a football part uh, of Lane Johnson as well. You know, the trade deadline is coming up. We've already seen one mm -hmm. deal, Jimmy. Andre Dillard played okay. Uh, yeah. One forced into the lineup at first uh, as a replacement, injury replacement for Jordan Mailata. Then Lane Johnson had his issues. Jordan had to kick over there. In theory, if Lane's back, if Lane's ready to play, you're back to where you were. Lane Johnson at right tackle, Jordan Mailata at left tackle. Andre Gillard has more value, but do you – Press pause a little bit now because long term you start to think about, okay, where's Lane going to be? It's not mm -hmm. only personal issues, but he's also still having swelling in the ankle. Yeah. There's physical issues. Do you revisit trying to sell off Andre Dillard or do you take advantage? Hey, play pretty well. Everybody needs tackles. Mm -hmm. Let's let's get as much as we can right now. Yeah, I think if an offer presents itself that is too hard to pass up for Andre Dillard, then you take it. But I don't think you're in a rush to deal him like you maybe were previously. And we saw, you know, the last four weeks where they moved Jordan Mailata to right tackle. And, um, 
you know, I think he played okay there, but I think ultimately he, his best spot obviously is at left tackle. Andre Dillard can't play anything else. He's a left tackle or bust. He's not going to play guard. He's, he, we, we already saw what happened when he, when he moved over to the right <laughs> side uh, against the Seahawks a few years ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he's just going to be the left tackle. And if Jordan Mailata is going to have that spot occupied, then, you know, something's got to give there and you only have him. Uh, so Dillard is probably at his most valuable right now to some team at the trade deadline that has like a, we saw Taylor Lewan go down last night, for example, for the Titans, other teams are going to have, you know, injured left tackle somewhere along the line and just left tackle play in general across the NFL. <laughs> a lot of teams need him, So, yeah. uh, you know, he can help a contender. He's, he's, he's better than, you know, a, a number of these other teams starting left tackles in my opinion. So if you can get something really good for him, then sure, go ahead and do it now. Like, and I guess like me, but from my perspective, like if it's like a three, I'd probably do that. Uh, but like you said, you shouldn't be really in a rush maybe to deal him now um, if, if like a, a good offer doesn't present itself. The guy that I think actually might have some trade value uh, coming up here is Steven Nelson because you look at all the teams that have just major cornerback issues throughout the league. And again, going back to the Titans last night, you know, they look, they lose Caleb Farley uh, to a torn ACL. Probably they already have a couple other guys down. We've seen the Eagles play teams like uh, the 49ers who are starting, um, uh, Josh Norman, and then you have you know the, the Buccaneers are starting. You know they're pulling Richard Sherman off the street and they're starting him. So there are a lot of teams that you that could use a player like like Stephen Nelson who doesn't cost a lot in terms of what he's making this year. He was only going to be a one year band aid for the Eagles anyway this year, and he, I think he's shown to be like a legitimate you know solid starting cornerback through these first six games. So uh, if, if they are going to make another move, I, I would have him as sort of like the number one guy that's possible to be moved uh, at the trade deadline. Hey, Gowan to the rescue. That's right. <laughs> How he's playing uh, 3D chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. Yeah. We'll see about that. Okay, then that will be my final question. Should Howie even be playing chess? Because the <laughs> yeah. Eagles, for the first six games of the season, played the third hardest schedule of any team in the NFL. Yeah. From here on out, they played the easiest schedule. Yeah. In the National Football League, Giants twice, Jets, yeah. Washington football Washington. team twice. Their schedule really lightens up. Now, the Raiders are 4-2 this week. I think they're kind of soft 4-2, but that's just me. Yeah. Should they even be thinking about selling, or do they still have a legit chance to compete? Oh, they should be thinking about selling. Spot? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they should be selling. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you look at the no. NFC East. The Cowboys are going to win this division by, like, Thanksgiving. They're 5-1. and one. There's no other team within three games of them. They have a head-to-head win over the Eagles already. Eagles are essentially four games, three and a half, four games behind right. them right the, now. With the that division is done, but as For, Johnny pointed out yeah. earlier in the show, <laughs> they're one game out of the last wildcard spot as of now. One game! One game! That's one true. One game, Jimmy That's Kemsky! true, but they're all, there's also only two two teams. No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're three, way down that there, list. Yeah, there are three teams behind them in the NFC yeah. right now. They're based on uh, tiebreakers. It's yeah. the Seahawks, the Giants, and the Lions. So, um, I mean, when you look at this, t- I mean, what, what is the? Th- there's maybe some value in getting like these young guys playoff experience, but I think that you know if you can get value for your older players, also get them off your books uh, at the trade deadline by being able to sell off some of these guys. Then I think that's more valuable, and and uh, you know getting getting more draft capital. I think that's more valuable than getting stomped out in the first round by the two seed. <laughs> that's just that's just me personally. Uh, so you know I don't know like uh, and 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 like even the idea of them getting a wild card. You know you mentioned that they they do have an easy schedule coming up, and that's you know certainly valid. But uh, I just don't see 
this roster winning a wild card, even if they were going for it anyway. Like, I just don't think it's, it's a very good team. I mean, we looked at like, they have two wins. Uh, one was against the Falcons who stink. And then the other was against the Panthers. And the Eagles didn't play well in that game. Like they were lucky no. that the Panthers sort of like played worse than them in that game or else, you know, they're looking at like one and five right now. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens in, uh, in Las Vegas. And then I don't think the, the game in Detroit is like a layup. I think they certainly should win that game in Detroit, but I don't think it's a layup. So we'll see what happens after these next two road games and then going forward. And then they have the chargers, I believe the week thereafter. So, um, you know, even if they are able to beat Detroit um, in, in, you know, week uh, eight or whatever that is, and they lose these other two games, you know, you're looking at the records three and, and, uh, and six at that point. And for sure, if you're three and six, I think you're selling off assets at that point. It is something we will certainly keep our eye on. Jimmy, glad we were finally able to corral you. Thanks for coming on board. We'll get back to you in a month or so uh, and enjoy the rest of your week and going back to work on Sunday. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Jim. Jimmy Kemsky, Philly boy, <laughs> with us on Birds 365. All right, coming up next, we're going to go back to back guests because we ran a little late with Jimmy K. Usually we put a segment in between the guests. We'll go back to back guests here because our boy, Rob Motti from the Associated Press, covers the entire National Football League that Eagles-centric uh, for years. Now he covers it all. And somehow he always gets back up to Philadelphia for the games. Wonder how that works. We'll find out from Motti when we punch him up. Rob Motti, Associated Press, next here on Birds 365. <laughs> comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. 
go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Yeah, your birds 365 guys here. Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, uh, Rob Mike, Big Brother, uh, stayed on top of Rob. <laughs> sent him the text and said, feel free to zoom on in whenever you want. I said 9.25 earlier. We ended up a little early with Jimmy K. Uh, so we'll get Rob up here in a couple of minutes. Uh, thank uh, Mr. Kensky for hopping on board. Um, he says the Eagles are going to lose more free agents this year or gain more free agents than lose this year they certainly got the salary cap flexibility to be able to do that because remember they played handicapped all year this year because of one guy Carson Wentz uh they had more dead cap money than anyone has ever had on the salary cap in the history of the National Football League because of Carson Wentz so we'll see if Harry Roseman can spend that money wisely um I think he did okay in the deal that he got for Carson Wentz for uh uh Zach Ertz uh we'll see how Dallas Goddard steps up uh, to perform as the unquestioned tight end one for the Eagles the rest of this season. I, I see Rob Marty's smiling face. It looks like he's ready to go up aboard with us. How are you, Marty, man? Hey, what's up, fellas? Good morning. Morning, Rob. Excited to see you. Are you back? I assume you're back in Tampa. Is that yeah, uh, it's it's not quite as beautiful as the background behind you guys, though. Look at that. <laughs> that's, that's nice. That, that is nice. I mean, I'm on the beach. Jody's in front of the casino. <laughs> Jody wishes he was inside the casino. Uh, uh, I hear you. Quick question. Though you came up for the Eagles and Tampa last week. Did you get to hit your ride with the Bucks? Since they were flying yeah, into Philadelphia, you should have taken advantage. Yeah, I, I should have been on that team charter. I mean, don't you think? They, yeah. Flying style would have been nice. Yeah, <laughs> see the inside and, and the inner, what goes on, on on a team plane. But, uh, nope, I, I flew uh, coach just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had the charter to Vegas, Rob, because I don't know what happened. But, man, those flights are expensive. Oh, the it's crazy Vegas. nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. Used yeah, to be the easiest place to get to was Orlando and Las Vegas. No more. I don't know what happened there, but I well, digress. <laughs> that and try and buy a car too. If you can even find a car anywhere to buy, and then it's prices skyrocketed. Yeah. Uh, but uh, fans are not interested. So let's shift it towards the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll start there. We'll get into some league stuff with you as well. But I do want to get your thoughts over this mini buy and you saw how things went in Tampa Bay. It seems like we've started almost this civil war with Eagles fans where it's the coach is a terrible play caller or the quarterback can't play. It's one or the other. What, where are you as far as what is this offense? Is Nick Sirianni trying to protect Jalen Hurts? Is, is Jalen Hurts just not performing up to par Little from column A, little from column B. Where are you with this team? I think it's a combination. I, I kind of tried to ask Nick that. I, I guess it was on Friday after the game. And I, my question was, how much of this offense that we're seeing is what you want to do, regardless of your quarterback? Is this the Nick Sirianni offense, whether it's Jalen Hurts, Joe Flacco, Gardner Minshew, or a quarterback to be named later? Or how much of this, what we're seeing, is specifically catered to fit what you think Jalen Hurts can do best? And are there any limitations? 
And, you know, Nick, he gives you a 450-word answer, and as he goes all the way around, he said it's kind of a combination of both. And I've been a guy, guys, who thought that Jalen Hurts should start every game this year because the number one priority in 2021 is to find out if he's going to be QB1 in 2022, and it's trending down right now. But I'm starting to wonder, would it be beneficial to take him out, just to not bench him for the season, a one game, stand on the sideline, let another quarterback, whether you want to go Flacco or Gardner Minshew, and let's see how they operate Nick Sirianni's offense. That way we can determine, the Eagles themselves can determine, are there issues, are there flaws within what Jalen's doing that another quarterback can run this system more efficiently, or if he has another QB in there, is Sirianni going to do different things? So this the offense has no identity, and I don't think we're any closer to finding out what Jalen Hurts can be next year right now. It's starting to look like they're going to be in the market for a quarter, which they may have thought all along anyway. Yeah, and isn't that the worst-case scenario, Rob, to not know what you have at the end of this season, to, to say, okay, Jalen Hurts can do some unique things. His numbers are fine if you look at it overall when you compare it to the rest of the league. But as you say, you look under the numbers into the context, it hasn't been good as a whole. And if you don't figure out, I use that stat all the time, the, the Eagles have thrown – 3% of their passes inside the hashes. They're not throwing the football over the middle of the field. How can you learn about a quarterback if you're taking away that portion of the field with, oh, by the way, Dallas Goddard, when he was out there, Zach Ertz, as he had him for the first six games, running backs like Kenny Gainwell, Miles Sanders. How do you take that away from an offense? And, and let me start first with some of those numbers. Some of the the numbers look good. Some of those numbers are skewed because there's a lot of garbage time oh, yeah. uh, padding of the stats. And and it, that is something that I, I coaches realize that they know what you're doing in the first three quarters when the game matters. And, and then that's a terrific question. Like when he's not throwing between the hashes and then and you had Ertz here and you have still Goddard here and Kenny Gainwell can run those routes and uh is that Jalen's reluctance is that Jalen not feeling comfortable making those throws or is that Nick Sirianni not feeling comfortable having Jalen make those throws both are a problem one or the other if it's the coach not having confidence that his quarterback can do that that's not good if the quarterback doesn't feel comfortable doing that, that's not good. There's an issue there. Rob, uh, let me lay it out the way John just did uh, a couple questions ago. Judging Nick Sirianni. Maybe we can't judge Nick Sirianni because Nick Sirianni is bending over backwards to protect, protect Jalen Hurts. So we want to learn about Nick Sirianni. So give Jalen Hurts a week off. You're going to put someone else in there. More so to check out what Nick can do without the – Jalen Hurts offense in place. How fair is that to the guy you're going to throw in there? Joe Flacco's gotten limited reps in practice, and we're now six weeks removed from preseason. Gardner Minshew's getting, I assume, no reps in practice as the third uh, third quarterback. You're going to put them in there with a retooled, on-the-fly, two practices in the middle of the week to get ready for a Sunday game? 
What are we going to really learn if that's the case? Well, it happens all the time when a backup has to step in, right? Your backup steps in and 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 they're starting on, on two weeks, uh, on two days. Uh, well, let me, on, let, let me interrupt, uh, and I'll let you finish your answer. We're assuming, we're starting from a position of the offense has been designed for Jalen Hurts. So is the backup going to come in and just run Jalen Hurts' offense? If what we're trying to learn out of putting a different quarterback in is can Sirianni actually call an offense that isn't Jalen Hurts limited, what would you do with the backup quarterback? Would the offense just basically be the same or would you try and install and instill some new things on the fly? I, I think the, the quarterback that you would have to play has got to be Gardner Minshew, not Joe Flacco, because he's got a, a similar skill set to Jalen Hurts. And you most certainly have to install a few things that you think that quarterback can do. And the, the problem is how much of this offense is Jalen specific and how much of this offense is Nick regardless of QB? Is it an 80-20 split? Is it a 70-30 split? Are there some uh, systems and philosophies? And, and there has to be. Like Nick Sirianni has to have beliefs in how to run an offense that he's going to do no matter who the quarterback is. So whether that's Flacco, Minshew, or Jalen Hurts. But in order to see someone else operate it, you got to give them an opportunity to do it. The problem is, the problem with that, and, and, and I'm going both sides here, if that happens and if you put a backup in there and they do run it efficiently and the Eagles do have success and they win the football game, then you're going to have a situation where do you pull the guy out because you want to find out more about Jalen Hurts this year than it really matters about a backup quarterback winning you one football game? And, and that can create a scenario where it, it becomes even more difficult on Jalen Hurts. So that's where I would be a little reluctant to do it because you could have a, 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 a bench Jalen situation where fans are now saying, oh, Joe Flagler ran his offense. Hey, you already heard that. We've seen people calling for the backup quarterback since since the preseason in, in, <laughs> in snaps that didn't even matter. Uh, what, what was it, the Jets game? I don't know which game it was. Flacco put up some numbers that nobody cared about. <laughs> so where are you, Rob? What have you learned about the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles? What have you learned about Jalen Hurts? And do you think he could be a long-term starting quarterback in this league, be it in Philadelphia or somewhere else. I don't know. I don't. I really don't. I need to see more. I know he can do some things with his legs. He can create plays. He can make certain throws, but he's missing too many guys. He's missing a lot of throws deep. He, he's missing throws um, that, that are very makeable. There was a throw to Ertz on third and five last week that was uh, towards the sideline, and he overthrew Air it. Yeah, you you got to extend that drive. And, and with each week, there's two, three, four throws in a game that he's not making, and it's consistent. He got lucky on the two deep balls that were underthrown that turned into yeah. pass interference penalties. So are those things that he can get better at? I, I would hope so. And then there are stuff that there's stuff that he does very well and, and he runs the ball very well. He can create, he can get outside the pocket and, and you'll see a dynamic play. I just don't know that he can be a legitimate full-time starter. Can he win some games? Depends on who the guys are around him. I think if you plugged him into a Dallas Cowboys offense where 
they actually run the ball, they got more talent, he'll win some games. But it, but if he's going to have to be looked upon as the guy in Philadelphia with uh, an offensive line that's still growing right now and we've had the issues lanes coming back and uh I actually guys been surprised andre dillard's played very well what are you going to do with him uh when when uh lane johnson comes back in and obviously he's going to go back to the bench but they, they've gotten better but they don't have they don't have an offense that jalen hurts can step into and just run it He's got to be the playmaker here, and and right now he's he's missing too many throws every week that you wish that if you connect on one or two of those, the game, the outcome of the game could be different. Mighty man, is this the week we see the return of the run to the Philadelphia Eagles? Never. And if so, never. <laughs> this coach isn't going to do it. He's not going to ever run it twenty times. You sure? I, Jody, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. And it's it's baffling at times because you look at the success they had in the fourth quarter running that ball against Tampa. And I know it looked like Tampa had checked out of that game. Hey, let's just get it. We got the W. Let's just get out of here. But when Miles Sanders breaks off consecutive runs of 20-whatever and 15, whatever it was, and it has 50 yards in the fourth quarter, you go, hey, this could have happened maybe earlier in the game. And for whatever reason, this this coaching staff and, and even Doug in the previous regime, they didn't think that Miles Sanders was a 20-carry-a-game guy. And and it would have been twice in his career he's had 20 carries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I, I don't care who gets it 20 times. I, if Kenny Gainwell gets it 10 and Miles Sanders gets it 10, I'd like to see that. I, I just think running the ball will take some pressure off Jalen. And, and that's one way to help him is run the ball a little bit more. Take some pressure off him. Make people actually have a inkling of doubt when you play action. You play action now. Nobody thinks they're going to run the ball. They know it's going to be a pass. <laughs> Uh, and, and and try and do some of those things to take some pressure off your quarterback. And and I, I don't uh, that's where the question goes, is this is this what Nick Sirianni would do regardless of who his quarterback is? Is he going to go out there and, and throw the ball 75 percent of the time, oh, wh- whether he has a, a young guy next year or a, a veteran? I, I don't know. Well, Rob, you brought up that term identity. And that's my biggest concern with Nick Sirianni because we can bring up all the problems. We can bring up the young quarterback, the offensive line issues, very young receivers, running back. I think Miles Sanders, you know, people in Philadelphia, too many think he's Derrick Henry's not. <laughs> all these problems. But you should have, by game six, you should have an identity. It could be a bad identity. But we should be able to know what your offense is, what your offense is trying to accomplish. Is that the biggest indictment of Nick Sirianni? I I have no idea what this offense wants to accomplish. No idea. Yeah, and when he tried to answer that question the other day, he said, we're still developing it, right? And and then he said that other teams – they don't always know their identity. They develop it, and it grows as the season goes on. And I think maybe that might be the case for other bad teams, but good football teams, winning teams, successful teams, teams that are going to be playing in January and potentially February. They know who they are. We know what they want to do. And they go out there and they do it anyway. And you're right. This may be a big indictment on Nick Sirianni. That's six weeks into the season. We don't know what they are. 
They don't know what they are. They question it themselves. Jalen Hurts said it after the game against Tampa. Uh, we, we we don't know uh, or we're working on our identity. And it, it, do you want to give Sirianni an out and say, hey, maybe it's because of the quarterback or is it just the, the head coach? And and this is this is him right now. And he's struggling, learning on the fly. You got a rookie coach learning on the fly. First time play caller learning on the job and that sets up for what we're seeing now weeks where it looks like for three quarters they have no clue what they're doing and then when the the game and the outcome are already decided suddenly they start putting up points and make the final closer than the, the game and the final score indicated and 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 that's where maybe you need to scrap all of the things that you're doing and start with what your fourth quarter philosophy is in the first quarter Monty, man, we've been talking so much about the offense, understandably so, because the head coach is a little under fire. The quarterback is very much under question. They're going to have to go out to Vegas to play some defense, too, because Derek Carr is having a pretty good year, and he can throw the football. And the guy who scares me most is their tight end, who is right now third in the league with most catches at 33 for the tight end position. Who's going to be tasked to cover him? Is it going to be a linebacker? Is it going to be a safety? He's too big to be covered by a cornerback. Uh, John uh, wax poetic about writing an article a couple of years ago when he was playing wide receiver for the Ravens uh, and he was just dominating the Eagles in practice. So it's not going to be a corner. How are they going to try and stop Mr. Waller? Darren Waller is a beast, man. And that's a really good question because you can't put Avante Maddox on him. You, you just can't. And, and none of these linebackers can do an adequate enough job. So do, do you try and – Rodney McLeod is a safety and coverage? No, he's not. that's not something that they can do. That's going to be a very tough call for Jonathan Gannon. And, and you can't just focus only on Waller. They got some other weapons. Ruggs can take the ball. He's a big-time deep threat for for Vegas. And I, I think they could also run the ball a little bit, uh, especially against this Eagles uh, defense. So, man, I, Darren Waller could put up one of those George Kittle-like games against the Eagles on Sunday, uh, a 15 for 180 oh, type of game. Oh, like, I, would, oh, I, oh. I would look at all his over-unders. And 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 say that's a that could be a sharp play this weekend. Whatever Waller's over unders are on yardage, on catches, I say that, and he'll go out there and be like four for forty two. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I want to talk about another tight end, and you had a relationship with Zach Ertz, and I remember you did your faith on the field event uh, with Zach a couple months after the Eagles won. Uh, Super Bowl 52, his imprint on this city, this franchise, this organization, what he's done off the field. Take us a little bit inside uh, with with your relationship with Zach Ertz. Very, very, very impressive guy. And, and Zach is somebody who completely understood what it takes to play in a city as demanding as Philadelphia. Not a lot of athletes will be able to handle 
the ups and the downs. And I think we can go back to when Zach whiffed on that block against Cincinnati in, in Carson's rookie year and the criticism that he heard, not just from the fan base, but from the media. And and I know that there were people who were close to Zach Ertz that were put off by that, that were very uh, uh, turned away by all of the – because so not sometimes, a lot of times criticism in Philadelphia goes over the top and becomes – personal but he took that as a a learning moment as an experience where he understood hey I'm not happy with what I did there I can do better nobody has to tell me and that was his approach he worked as hard as anybody he always wants to be the best that he can be but at the same time he he doesn't have a problem with being held accountable and I think that's a special kind of individual who can realize, recognize that, and just go out there and do it and perform. And then beyond all of the stuff that he does on the field, because three-time Pro Bowl tight end, set the record for most catches in a season. They don't win the Super Bowl, obviously, without him. We all talk about the touchdown catch, but the fourth and one, fourth I thought and that, one, was, yeah. that was incredible. Frank Wright told me after the game it was the biggest play of the game. No doubt. Biggest because play of the turned- game. You turn the ball over right there if you don't do that. But we, his his credentials, his resume on the field is, is tremendous, and it speaks for itself. But who he is, Zach Ertz off the field, the guy, he grew up here in Philadelphia. As he said, he came here as a kid. He left as a man. He got married, um, and he, he really found himself in his faith, found a nice community, found a nice church, the Connect Church in Cherry Hill, and, and really established himself um, in the community, doing so many different things, and now we know what he's doing with the House of Hope in in, in the North Philly Kensington area. And, and I th- I think this is somebody who's a very special person, and that team itself was very unique. There was such a bond, a brotherhood on that team that I thought at the time we would never see again. But I didn't understand or realize how quickly it would disintegrate. And and one by one, all of those guys, that brotherhood, that fraternity would be elsewhere. Jordan Hicks, Chris Maragos, uh, Zach Ertz now, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, all of these guys. Trey Burton was a big part of that. Yeah, Trey Trey Burton, Burton, right? All of them gone. And and, but you you look at Zach as the shining example of that. If, If you bring in an athlete here. And you say, this is what it takes to win over the city. And this is what it takes to be loved in Philadelphia and admired forever. Follow Zach Ertz's example. And you could say that about a handful of athletes, Brian Dawkins, Chase Utley, and, and I'm putting Zach Ertz in that category, though not necessarily to the Dawk or Utley extent. All right. Uh, put Zach Ertz's faith and character aside, which none of us really want to do, but I want to ask you a stone-cold football question. What do you think he's got left in the tank? Can he help the Cardinals make it to a Super Bowl? What kind of uh, season will he have wherever he lands next year via free agency? You know, at 30 years old, Jody, I don't see why not. Why wouldn't he have? He takes care of his body. He's got the desire to want to be a Hall of Famer. He's not a Hall of Famer right now. He's got to put up three, four, five more significantly good years, 80, 70, 90 catch seasons to be in the mix for the Hall of Fame. So when you look at a guy who takes care of himself, who who has the internal desire to have that success, and you look at the position 
We've seen tight ends from Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Jason Witten, guys who play deep into their 30s. I don't see why Zach Ertz can't be successful this year with Arizona in, in an offense that is <laughs> dynamic and, and next year wherever he lands in the year after that. Rob, last one for me because you have a, a unique uh, part in, in in certainly understanding the NFL and obviously having the AP behind you and everything that unfolded with the Las Vegas Raiders and John Gruden, just how the NFL has handled that whole issue. And, uh, you know, if you think about the Raiders, and, and they handled it very well at least week one, we'll see if that was emotion or, or how this becomes difficult on the field. But just the behind the scenes of, look, you do this investigation with the Washington football team. There's no written report. We've had lawyers on this show. Never in the history of the world has a lawyer not, not produced a written report. Uh, your thoughts on how the league has handled this whole thing? Well, let's start there. When you have an investigation and there is no written report, that is shady. That, that raises eyebrows. That draws red flags. What are you trying to hide? Now, from all of the people that I spoke to at the league, and I have really close uh, sources who are very familiar with everything going on, it was a small group of people who were privy to that information. It, it was the league, and not everyone at, at the league office. It was a small group of people at the league office who were privy to that information, it was the Washington football team and the lawyers. So someone had to purposely leak John Gruden's emails with the intent of trying to get this guy out of the NFL. And, and, and you know, we can all have fun trying to guess who did this and who did that without knowing. But I, I think that when something like that happens, there's got to be more transparency. And, and the league has bungled so many situations over the years, and they've turned into a league that's more reactionary. When, the, when publicity, when things come out and everyone turns on the NFL and says, you screwed up the situation, that's when they start to react to situations. And they need to start getting out and ahead of it. If you knew these emails existed, which they did months ago, Something had or should have been done about it some way. It should have been handled already so it doesn't come out in a leak. And then we see that there's some things leaked about Jeff Pash, the, the, the lawyer. I don't anticipate anything being leaked again that is anywhere close to the severity of what John Gruden said. But it doesn't mean I don't think it doesn't exist. And I don't think anybody out there doesn't believe that there are 650,000 emails and not one, two, three, four, five or 10 people may have said something that would warrant whether it's a fine, a suspension or, hey, you, you need to not be doing that kind of thing on company email. And um, this it all starts out with transparency and the, and the league really doesn't have much of that. All right, Marty Man, last one for me. We've got one 6-0 team, the Arizona Cardinals. We've only got one 5-1 team in the AFC. you got a handful of them in the NFC. But one 5-1 team, and that's the Ravens. Two quarterbacks who can pull the ball down and take off and make plays with their legs. Lamar Jackson and uh, 
Mr. Murray out there in Arizona. We got our own right here in Philadelphia. Why can't Jalen Hurts be uh, either Murray and or Lamar Jackson? Am I overestimating the power of the run at quarterback position in the NFL? Because these two guys are off to such good starts. Well, Arizona's got a lot of uh, talent around Kyler Murray. But then when you look at what Baltimore has done, I think John Harbaugh, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the history of the NFL. History. All he does is find ways to win and have his team in contention year in and year out. And what that team went through in this past offseason, decimated. They lose, what it was it, three How many running, running backs? backs? Yeah, right? Three, three running three, backs. They lose Marcus backs. Peters. And, and they still find ways to have success. And a lot of that is is running the football. And Lamar Jackson, I, I think, continues to improve. Uh, Kyler Murray's on uh, an MVP-type season. Why can't Jalen Hurts be that way? Well, you got to surround him with that kind of talent. You got to game plan for him to be able to have that kind of success. And they just don't have that here in Philly. They just don't have what it what it would take to get that done. And 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 that doesn't mean they can't. Because I, I look at Devontae Smith and and I, I said this this is a guy who's a legitimate number one. And and Jalen Rieger still shows me an occasional glimpse, an occasional. Uh, hope for the future and then we all know about miles sanders and kenny game well what we think they can do maybe they can actually get the ball in their hands so they can go out there and do it i was actually surprised that john arbor didn't sign shady mccoy before he retired as an eagle <laughs> all they're doing is recycling old backs why not give shady he get another super bowl he got one with the chiefs he got one with the bucks let him get one with his boy john arbor that would have been great. That would have been, that would have been great. And it, it's like a. I, I think Drew Brees might have said this the other night. He's like they their running back rotation is just a plug and play. Just whoever yeah. goes in there is going to run. Yeah. yeah, including Le'Veon Bell this past week. Uh, Mighty man, always a pleasure, buddy. I know Johnny will be seeing you at the Eagle games uh, going forward. You're not going out to Vegas this week, are you? No, no, I'll be at uh, Buccaneers Bears. Very Buccaneers nice. Bears. All right. We will be reading you. We always enjoy talking to you, brother. Thanks much for hopping on today. We'll get back with you soon enough. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Rob. Rob Marty uh, does an outstanding job for the Associated Press and us. Whenever we get him here on Birds 365, does a great job with us, and we thank him for it. All right, John McMullen, Jody McDonald, the clock is ticking. We'll come back. You know what we got to do. Put a bow on this show here on Birds 365. <laughs> comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. One of the things we can do here in our final segment here on Birds 365 is have one host try and influence the other host, and that would be me trying to influence Johnny Mac. And here's what I mean by that. Um, Got coordinator questioning, right, today, Johnny Mac? Correct. Correct. Coordinators it is. So I will not deign to tell you what to do with your one question that you are allowed to fire at Jonathan Gannon, but I will instead just ask you, do you think this is a decent question? Jonathan, how are you going to stop tight ends? We've had a couple of tight ends have good games against them. The Cowboy tight end burned them um, last week. O.J. Howard kind of had a uh, pretty good come-out game. No Rob Gronkowski. He played well. They did stop Pitts week one. But I'll tell you, that was rookie-itis as much as anything else. Uh, They've had some issues against tight ends, and we know Gannon sits in zone defense most of the time anyway. Does he plan to change it all this week? Because the the one guy they've actually shut down is probably the best one in the game, and that was Mr. Kelsey. Oh, okay, did a good job taking him out. How'd the rest of the guys do against you? They kind of ran all over, uh, both running and, and passing the football. Uh, do you think that he varies at all from the way this team attempts to keep tight ends in checks against a very good tight end this week out there in Vegas? Yeah, I don't know. I wish, I mean, they just play at this stage. They play a lot of zone. They play a lot of zone coverage. We talked a lot about this show about uh, Nick Sirianni protecting Jalen Hurts. I think that's his way of protecting the linebackers. Um more than anything else, and a little bit the safeties, but more the linebackers. Um, I think the corners have played pretty well. We talked about Steve Nelson. I agree with Jimmy Kemsky. I think, you know, he might be the under sort of appreciated guy you could spin off or something because there's a lot of cornerback desperate teams. He's played well. Darius Slay's played really well. I think Avante Maddox has played well. I don't, I don't think the corners have been an issue at all. Um, but man, I think those linebackers have struggled and struggled mightily. I think the safeties have been up and down. 
Uh, gotten a little bit better than Rodney McLeod uh, has been back, but I don't think he's got a lot of horses on the back end, and I think he shows it by the way he plays defense. Wow, you just uh, made me think of Eagle years gone by and yesteryear. It's been a long time since the Eagles had as good a triumvirate of cornerbacks as they have this year. I know it's six games out of a 17-game season. doesn't mean they're going to be able to continue to play at the level they had. But for you and me, we both are ready to go. Major thumbs up on all three cornerbacks. When was the last time you could say that about an Eagle team that you feel really confident about all three cornerbacks? Because we've been three cornerbacks deep in the National Football League for at least 15 years, where your base defense includes three corners more than two corners. Um, So it's been a while. I can't remember any, even the Super Bowl team, were they as good at cornerback as this uh, three-man group right now? I mean, Jalen Mills was a starting corner in the, did you see him get beat, uh, beaten? Yeah, uh, beat well, up on Sunday yeah. against the Cowboys in the slot. By the way, CD Lamb. Yeah, um, boy, you you, you got to think about it. Who was Al Harris had a good year when he was a nickel corner? Well, I guess that was uh, that was probably the the Taylor uh, Bobby Taylor era. Uh, Vincent Taylor Harris the nickel yeah that's what I'm thinking that's a long time ago Johnny Mac yeah they haven't had a lot of good nickel corners Uh, am I missing one I'm trying to think Um, I'm probably missing one they've had to have a better one since then but but I'd have to think about it certainly since I've been here covering this team well, and I, I've been here covering this team for the last one of the, 30 years. One of the reasons we got back to my Jim Swartz. Man, the Super Bowl, I mean, you think about Jalen Mills starting in the Super Bowl at corner. Jim Swartz is better than Eagles fans thought he was. They're starting <laughs> to learn that. They're uh, starting to learn that. Uh, when in doubt, John defaults to. How about that, Jim Schwartz? Uh, it's a good defensive coach. We know good, it's coming. Good defensive coach. Uh, uh, JM, uh, have a good time talking to Coach Gannon. Feel free to ask him how he's going to stop Darren Wall. By the way, I love Jonathan Gannon as well. He just, you know, I think. He's just not Jim Schwartz. Well, he's learning. He's a rookie. You're you're seeing the difference similar with the head coach. You're seeing the difference between a rookie and a guy who's done it for 20-plus years. That's the difference. And uh, who is Schwartz uh, helping out these days? Titans? Yeah. Uh, they got a big stop last night. That was the Jim Schwartz stop at the goal line. Well, against... he's not the coordinator. He's just one of those senior Advisors. assistants. But uh, you don't think he's sent in to play for uh, the quarterback to he go out from underneath play, them yeah, on fourth and one? Didn't he call that from from uh, the boot somewhere? Josh Let's see Allen if we can get slipped. Josh Allen to slip and fall and yeah. have us win a game. Yeah, it's like Aaron Rodgers uh, owning. Uh, the the Chicago Bears fans. It's uh, you know Jim Schwartz just tells yeah Josh Allen slip on one. <laughs> good call from Jim Schwartz. I right, good call out of you today. We thank our two guests Jimmy Kemsky and Rob Marty for hopping on. Um, you got uh, COVID duty tomorrow. I do. 
So you're going to have Jeff Kerr in that seat. And I'm going to miss a good guest. I'm a little disappointed about that. You are. Uh, Seth Wickersham from ESPN, who just came out with the tell-all book about the Patriots, some juicy tidbits and details in that one. We'll have Seth on tomorrow. And we'll have Johnny Mac in his guest spot rather than his own spot. Uh, partner, tell JG I said hi. Uh, I'll talk to you in the morning, buddy. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. 22 hours, Jody. 22 hours. And we'll be right back here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.